0: Good morning, great to have you with us uh, both in the building and if you're joining us online lovely to have you with us. My name is Peter Skerritt for those of you who don't know me and I serve as the assistant pastor at Beckles Baptist Church. Um, as we've done uh, each time when we've been able to meet in the building uh, we're going to go around and just uh, introduce everyone say hello uh, so that you particularly uh, back at home are able just to get a feel of who's with us and so that you feel uh, part of this meeting as well. Uh, so Roger and Jill have been Putting uh, people in their seats. Uh, lovely to have you with us. Thank you for guiding us through it. And Marilyn and Brian. Perfect timing. Joe, great to have you with us. How's your grandson doing? He's doing well. Great. Tom and Emily. Tom will be preaching for us a bit later. I'm from Romans chapter five. Justin, Rebecca, and Tom as well. Great to have you. Barry and Linda, hello. Again, Charlie, uh, Nick, and uh, Anna on the desk. Thank you for holding it together for both services this morning very grateful. Uh, Morris, welcome. Morning, Josh, Eric, Stella, good to have you. I like your mask, especially Stella, it's great. Uh, morning, Tim Hayden. Sarah, good to have you back again. Jane, back from serving at the Sunday School this morning, which I hope was a good time. And Sam, well done for making it, it's great to have you with us. Uh, let me start, oh, and up on the balcony, Mrs. Spill. Thank you for holding the whole thing together. Great to have you with us. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 is where we've come to in our readings, in our church Bible reading plan, and a great reminder of why we're here. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you Holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the God that we we come to meet. Uh, This is the status that you have if you know him this morning, free from accusation. And this is the, the gospel as well that we've come to hear. It is... If we stand firm in this gospel, this hope held out, that we will be saved. Uh, So we're going to pray in light of that, uh, thanking God for his kindness to us, uh, but praying as well that we would be standing firm in it today. Should we close our eyes and bow in prayer? Our Father in, in heaven, we want to thank you for the Lord Jesus and all that he has done. We thank you especially for his bloodshed on a cross for us, that acts in history, that echoes down in history to us right now, that if we follow him, wherever we are, we are holy and without accusation, free from anything that anyone could throw at us. We pray that you would help us to grow in our grasp of that this morning. We pray that you'd enable us to listen and to stand firm We pray that you will help Tom, especially give him a power by your spirit to speak of this in such a way that our hearts are gripped and affected. We pray as well, uh, thinking of Alistair, Ed and Ruth um, visiting this morning at Swaffham Baptist as Alistair preached there. We ask that that would be the same for them, that as a church, uh, they would be clinging to Christ, that the, the word of the gospel would bear fruit there in their lives. And we pray that they would stand firm too. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name and knowing that he loves to be glorified in his people. Amen. We're going to start by listening to a song. At home, you can sing along to your heart's content. In the building, you can hum along to your heart's content. I would encourage you actually to do something like that, whether it's to read the words in your head or to hum along. It's very easy to become disengaged from something on a screen. But this is a way that we can join in corporate worship of our God. There is no other name. That is the reminder we had in Colossians. If you continue in this gospel, so hum along, mull on the words, but don't disengage from these wonderful truths.
1: no other name in heaven can be found, through whom we are redeemed, through whom your grace abounds, no other name can save, but Jesus Christ our Lord. About, no other name can sing, but Jesus Christ alone. My joy and sorrows do, my strength to cast out night, my broken soul's delight, no other name but Jesus, Jesus. There is no victory. But Jesus crucified, no other cure for sin. But that our Savior died, no other hope we had. But that He rose again. My joy is so. Strength to cast out fears, no other name but Jesus, Jesus. My hope in darkest night, my broken soul, delight, no other name but Jesus, Jesus.
0: Tom's going to come and preach for us from Romans chapter five, uh, chapters, uh, chapter five, verses 12 through 21. Uh, you'll notice as we come to the reading, uh, that it is quite a tightly packed argument, and for that reason alone, I'm going to encourage everyone to make sure that they have a copy of a Bible at hand. We've got plenty at the front uh, Tom's, oh, uh, we could probably deliver on a tray. If Tom hands it out, out on a tray, please put your hand up, and Tom will just go around and make sure everyone's got a Bible, because it won't make much sense uh, if you're not able to follow that. And at home, take this time, make sure you've got a Bible in hand. Romans chapter 5. Judy Baker will give us our reading from home. And just to flag up as we come to this reading, it is one of the more uh, seemingly complicated passages in the Bible. And it will help just as you look at it to bear two characters in mind. Adam and Christ. Adam introducing the the bad news, Christ introducing the good news. And as we read along, just think, who gets the upper hand in the end? That will just help you frame what's going on here, Adam and and Christ. Has everyone got a Bible? Yeah, great. Over to Judy. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. Death
2: through Adam, life through Christ. who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act. Resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal
3: life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'm very well aware that we need God's help as we approach his word now, so that he'd both help us understand it and respond rightly to it. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thank you, Father, that when your word is read and preached. Your spirit is actively at work. We pray that he would be greatly at work giving us understanding, faith, a renewed love in the Lord Jesus through all that we have to see. Help us as we work hard to understand what this passage is saying. Point us to Christ and help us trust him, we pray. For we ask these things in his name and for his glory. Amen. Do please keep your Bible open in front of you, page 1132, if you've got a church Bible, and Romans chapter 5. More than any week, um, this week is a week to have a Bible under your nose. Um, I wonder when the last time was that you thought, oh no, I've done it again. Surely God can't forgive me this time. Or maybe you're sat here as someone who maybe wouldn't call themselves a Christian and you're sat there thinking, well, if God knew all that I'd done, well, surely he, he, couldn't, he couldn't forgive me all that I've done. Uh, I want to say, speaking both to the um, doubting Christian and the uh, disbelieving person who isn't a Christian, that our passage today addresses feelings like that head on. Because we're going to see that however deep sin would plunge us, we are never out of the reach of God's amazing saving grace in Christ. However deep sin plunges us, we are never outside of the reach of God's grace. So if you've come here today thinking, oh, no, I've blown it again for the umpteenth time with that sin or with something really grave, do not think you're out of God's However deep your sin might plunge you, God's grace can reach you there and further still. Um, That's why I've given our passage today, the title, How Grace Increased All The More. It's taken from verse 20, which really is the nub of the passage. Halfway through where it begins, but, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Grace increased all the more. Now, for us to understand why this is terrifically good news, we're going to have to arc away from the good news and circle around the bad news. And the bad news is serious and it is grave. And the bad news encompasses everyone naturally here outside of the Lord Jesus. And as we look at this bad news, we're going to end up being pessimistic about human ability. We're going to be pessimistic about human ability. Now... Before we dive in and look at this at length, let me simply try and help you get the big idea that stands behind our passage. Our passage encompasses everyone who has ever existed and ever will exist. And says that everyone that's ever been can be understood as living in one of two kingdoms. Humanity is basically the tale of two kingdoms. Each kingdom has one person that stands as head and representative for everybody underneath them. The status of everybody in each kingdom is determined by the actions and character of their representative. The first kingdom, the representative there is Adam, and it is characterized by sin, death, condemnation. The second kingdom has the Lord Jesus Christ as their representative, and it is a kingdom represented by grace, life, and right standing before God. Everyone is born into Adam's kingdom, Anyone can join Christ's kingdom through faith, but only if they're joined to him by faith. We're going to start by looking at Adam's kingdom and seeing how this bad news encompasses all of us and what it means for us. And as we look at Adam's kingdom, we will be pessimistic about human ability, pessimistic about human ability. And this is verses 12 to 14 and verses 18 19 now look down with me to verse 12 please if you've never looked in a bible um, just to say that the chapters they're indicated by the big numbers and the verses they're indicated by the little numbers so little number 12 therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. It's at that point it appears that Paul's kind of train of thought tails off And the argument that he begins to make seems to get lost. Now, we're going to see in a minute. Actually, his train of thought gets picked up in verses 18 and 19. But before we get there, let's just have a sustained look at verse 12, because there's some important stuff for us to see here. Now, to understand verse 12, we've got to wind the clock all the way back to the very beginning of time. And we've got to consider there the first man, Adam, and his wife, Eve. Adam is clearly in view in our Passage. And just to say that the Bible is totally unapologetic in presenting Adam as an historic and real person from whom everyone in this room and everyone around the globe is descended. We are descended from Adam. And for us to make sense of life, we have got to understand ourselves as descended from Adam and our reality shaped by him. Look at verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world. Mention of sin entering the world, of course, talks of Adam's disobedience in the garden, where he and Eve took to eat fruit from the tree that God had said don't. Their action was a clear disobedience to God and an attempt to dislodge him from the throne of his world. An ineffective attempt, but an attempt nonetheless. And it came with horrendous consequences. Back to verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. Adam's act of rebellion ushered in horrendous consequence of death, above all spiritual death, as he and Eve were cut off from the God who made them, ejected from the garden, so that they could no longer have sweet relationship with God, the very thing they were made for, And as an expression of their spiritual death, they also were met with physical death. Their bodies that were never meant to be subject to disease and decay. Were subject to disease and decay. Now, all of this would be bad enough if Adam and Eve were the only ones that would affected it. But the consequences of Adam's action filter down through the entirety of humanity. He is the representative of everyone. Who descends from him. He is the king of the kingdom. And as the consequences of his action are felt not just by him and Eve, but by everyone who comes. Have a look on to verse 12, the end. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Every generation, everyone in this room, has descended from Adam is tainted with sin, is subject to death. And that is underlined by the fact that every year 500,000 people in the United Kingdom will die. It's a chilling number that reminds us the effects of Adam's kingdom and him being our representative. Uh, The consequences filtering down from Adam is um, pictured by the actions of Anatoly Dyatlov... And his team in reactor number four in Chernobyl, 26th of April, 1986. They were running a pretty reckless reactor test in this nuclear reactor that went horrendously wrong. The core of the reactor exploded, ripping the whole thing open, bringing radioactive waste to bear. And the effects weren't just felt by the men in the room but actually by everybody in Pripyat, the neighbouring town, the Soviet Union, Europe, and around the world. Everyone was affected by the actions of a few. How much more Adam's actions are felt by all? Now, it'd be very tempting to read verse 12 and come to the conclusion that you and I, we just simply imitate Adam's sin. We see what he did, we do it as well, but that would be bad enough. But the rest of the passage won't let us read verse 12 like that. And that's proven as we dive into verses 18 and 19. And as we see what's said there, we're going to be deeply pessimistic about human ability. Because we're going to see that there is an inability in everyone to say no. And an inherited status of guilty before God. So first up, an inability to say no to sin. Look at verse 19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. From Adam, everyone has inherited a nature that is now given to sin. No one is able to say no to sin. No one is able to fully please God, to keep his law. All of us are born sinners. How does David put it in Psalm 51? Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And we know, don't we, from human experience that that's just plain. No parent has ever had to sit their child down and say, now, I need to teach you today how to be selfish. You are giving your toys away to your brother or sister far too much, and you need to in- learn to enjoy them for yourself. The selfishness is a natural trait. It's one expression of a sinful heart. The parents just know is there. Other expressions of saying no, of lying, they don't need to be taught. Our capacity or our inability to say no to sin is not simply caught by watching other people. Sure enough, watching other people often really doesn't help, but that's not our biggest problem. The problem is far more deep and profound than that, and the chilling reality is that everybody has an inability to say no because they are naturally part of Adam's kingdom. That's not to say that people can't do good things. People who aren't believing in the Lord Jesus can do many good things, a sign of God's common grace. But every good act is tainted with sin. And the bigger issue is that the actions that really matter, loving God with all your heart, loving your neighbor as yourself, no one, no one is able to do. Why? Why all this? Well, because from Adam, everyone has inherited an inability to say no to sin. That's the first problem. That's why we should be pessimistic about human ability. The second thing is this. We have inherited a status of guilty before God. A status of guilty before God. Uh, This is a hard thing to read and a hard thing to take. But in our passage, actually, we're told that it is true. Look at verse 18 with me. Look at verse 18. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. I realize I'm breaking off before I give you the good news. We need to look at the bad news first, okay? Read it again. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. That word condemnation describes people who are found guilty before God and rightly under his wrath, his anger, his judgment. And what we learn here is that everyone is guilty before God because Adam's their representative. And from Adam, we have inherited a status of being guilty before God. Now, okay, if you're anything like me, you naturally want to react strongly against that. It flies in the face of our our love of being individuals who think we're cut off from everybody else. Uh, And it also, it seems to contravene our sense of fairness. We don't like the thought of a representative standing in for us and affecting our status. But I do want to say this. Actually, we're pretty inconsistent about the kind of representatives that we'll take, because actually we're often pretty pro-representatives standing in our place when they win. Just cast your mind back just over a year ago to the World Athletic Championships, and Dina Asher-Smith running in the final of the 200 metres. As she ran, I was cheering for her because she runs not just for Dina Asher-Smith, she runs for Great Britain. With him clearing you of your guilty status? Or are you going to say, that's too unfair? No, thank you. I think we want it one way, but we don't want it the other. And in God's economy, he says, both things are true. We are born into Adam's kingdom with him as our representative. We are guilty before God because of that. And in reality, none of us can really claim that we've kind of resolved Adam's problem. We've all thrown our weight behind his. We've sinned along with him. We've only affirmed the guilty status that lands upon us. Why do we start here? Why do we start looking so pessimistically at humanity? looking so hard at Adam's kingdom with him as representative and our inability to say no to sin, our guilty status before God. Because if we don't take that long look, we won't be ready to look for help. Um, Just over a year ago, I listened to a really excellent podcast um, that the BBC produced called Hooked. It featured two ladies, uh, Melissa and Jade, who are both recovering addicts from addiction to alcohol and drugs. And the very first episode of their podcast was called Rock Bottom. And in there, they referred, one of them referred to the gift or the grace of despair. That point where they reached the very pits and they went, I really need help. And until they'd reached the very pits, they weren't willing to really look for genuine help outside of themselves. And for us to go to Christ... We've got to see that on our own, we're in the pits, unable to help ourselves. So if you're feeling condemned by your sin, keep listening. Good news is coming. If you're sat there thinking, I'm I'm all right, actually. I'm actually pretty moral. I'm all right. I just want to say, sorry, sorry, who's your point of comparison? Because when I feel like that, that my point of comparison is someone who's a bit worse than me. God has given you the point of comparison of his son you should be very pessimistic about your ability. And if we're believers here, if we get a right sense of pessimism in our ability, we will be earnest in praying and eager to speak, because we know that the news of Jesus is the news that people need to hear. We're to be pessimistic about human ability. Secondly, good news. We're to be optimistic about God's grace in Christ. We're to be optimistic about God's grace in Christ, and his verses 15 to 21. So, Paul has humbled humanity as he has spoken of Adam and his kingdom. And now he exalts God's grace as he comes to consider Christ and his kingdom. Look down with me to verse 15, and look out here as Adam's kingdom is contrasted with the Lord Jesus. Two mentions of how much more. For if by the the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? However grave the situation was because of Adam and its horrendous, God's grace can reach us there. God's grace is sufficient in Christ. How come? Well, did you see at the very beginning of verse 15, his, his action towards us is referred as a gift, isn't it? It's called a gift. The gift is not like the trespass. And we know that actually the scope, size, significance of any gift that we receive hinges on the person that gives it. That we've just had a birthday in our family this week. Just for a week ago. Um, and and I, know, I know back to my days when when I was a child, there were certain people that you particularly looked forward to getting a gift from. One envelope from one grandparent was worth a little bit more than the other. You just knew it. And the capacity for God's gift to deal with our problem hinges on his ability to give. And his ability to give is bottomless. It's amazing. Meaning that we should be optimistic about what God's grace in Christ can do, even for people who are way laid low. And we see that as we look at what his grace, his gift has done. The problem of our guilty status can be dealt with by the grace of Christ. Look at verse 16 again. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. God's grace gives to us justification, the right standing before God, where we know his favour, not his fierce anger. And don't miss that this this right standing is granted to us unlike the trespass. How How many trespasses did Adam need to bring condemnation? One. How many trespasses did God have to deal with in the Lord Jesus for us to know justification? Countless. Because we've weighed in and followed suit with Adam. Where he sinned, we just carried on. So many, many, many trespasses, all those sins of those that would come to trust in Jesus had to be headed off by the Lord Jesus, atoned for by God's grace. For it to be possible for us to move out of Adam's kingdom into Jesus, to know forgiveness, to know right standing with God. So our guilty status is dealt with by God's grace. But even greater than that, our inability to say no to sin is dealt with too. Look at verse 17. But if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. Who is it who's reigning here over Adam's descendants in his kingdom? It is death. Okay, now. Read the rest of the verse with me and try and work out who reigns over Christ's kingdom. You'd expect it to be life with a strict parallel. It is not. Verse 17, halfway through. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Who reigns? Christ reigns, but so do all his people. They reign with him. Meaning Talking of reigning, it's basically talking about the capacity now to say no to sin. And yes to God. A new ability is granted to us on the basis of God's grace. His gift of grace can do this much for us. Change you from the inside out. So great is the gift of God's grace that it brings a staggering transformation for God's people. I struggle to find a better illustration of this than by going to Les Miserables. Okay, so the Les Miserables, one of the central characters is a man called Jean Valjean, who towards the beginning is a hardened criminal, released from his service in prison. He ends up being homeless and helpless, but is taken in by a really kind bishop, fed, given a bed for the night. And in the night, he assaults the bishop and steals the vast majority of his silver. It turns out that Valjean is obviously a really rubbish crook because it's in no time he's caught red-handed arrested and brought back to the bishop's home. But then the bishop says to the gendarmes who bring Valjean back, I, have gi- I gave him the silver. What are you doing bringing him back here? And then he tells off Valjean for failing to take the candlesticks. And the gendarmes are just left dumbfounded at what it, this bishop is doing. And they leave. And Valjean is dumbfounded, too. And in an instant, the bishop's act transfers Valjean from a guilty status to being innocent. And as you read on in the story, he is made a new man. So great is the grace that the bishop shows him that he now ends up being a force for good, no longer characterised by hate, but now love, no longer characterised by cruelty, but now kindness, no longer characterised by selfishness, but generosity. The gracious act of the bishop in an instant changes Valjean's life forever. If it took the bishop to give all the silver to Valjean and more to transform him, what is it that God has done to bring his grace to bear in our lives Well, he does it through another Adam, through the Lord Jesus Christ. What does Jesus do? Well, he just does the polar opposite to what Adam does. You see in verse 18 and 19, we get to read the good bits this time too. Look at verse 18 with me. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. It's clear as you read the Bible that the Lord Jesus' life was characterized by obedience from start to finish. But here it refers in verse 18 to one act of obedience. Which one is in view? Well, it's Jesus' act of obedience as he stood before a tree where Adam stood before the tree in the middle of the garden, disobeyed God. Jesus, before the tree on Golgotha, obeys the will of God. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. It's through Jesus' obedience to die in our place That we can be forgiven our many, many sins. We can be transferred from Adam's kingdom into Christ's kingdom. Stunning grace. Amazing work of Jesus dying in our place. And seeing him die for sinners should make us optimistic about God's grace in Christ to deal with us in our sin. But here's the thing. This transition from Adam's kingdom into Christ's kingdom is not an automatic. God does not pick up all of humanity and plunk them over. Instead, he throws the doors open and say, you can flee Adam's kingdom. You can enter Christ's kingdom, but you've got to pitch in with Jesus. You've got to say, I'm going to join myself to Jesus by faith and cling on to him, that his death might be for me, so that his spirit might enable me to live now for him. And in case we're thinking, oh, is there enough grace? Is there enough grace to get me from there to there? Just look at verse 20 again. But where sin increased, halfway through, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Uh, we struggle to see it, but it, where he says grace increased all the more, Paul is pushing the language to its very limits. He's, he's kind of making up a new word. He's taking the word that generally translated abounding or increased, increasing. And he's bunged on the front of it a word that basically means supercharged, supercharged abounding, supercharged increasing. However far and fast your sin may run, Jesus can keep up and more. He can overtake you. However deep sin has placed you, you are not outside the reach of God's grace. How should that characterize us? With great optimism about God's grace in Christ to be enough for us. Okay, think all the way back to the very beginning. Started with these words. When was the last time you thought or said, "Oh no, I've done it again"? Surely God can't forgive me this time. Or, or you sat tuning in online, or sat in the building, not a Christian, and you say, "If, God, if only God knew, He could never. He does know. He can never forgive. He can. He can." And as I've thought about, about it this week, the thing that has struck me has been this, that to feel condemned, weighed down by our sin is to believe half of this passage. It's to be rightly pessimistic about human ability to deal with the problem of our sin, but it is failing to be optimistic, rightly optimistic about God's grace to tackle the problem of our sin. We need to believe both halves, don't we? Where sin increased, grace increased all the more we can be deeply encouraged that there is more grace in Christ than there is sin in me or you. However deep you felt sin has plunged you, you are not outside the reach of God's grace. It struck that, um, as I've thought about, the other thing that struck me as I've thought about this passage this week is that if I'm rightly pessimistic about human ability and optimistic about God's grace in Christ, It will make me courageous to speak about the Lord Jesus. Because I go, people really need to hear of him. And actually, God's grace is enough to help me be courageous to speak and effective in saving some. My problem is that I invert what this passage says so that I become optimistic about human ability. They'll be all right. They're okay. They'll be okay. No, they won't. They're in Adam's kingdom. And God's grace probably isn't enough. Yes, it is. Pack it in. I was rebuked by the example of um, a man called William Wade who came to faith. He is from Belfast, um, a glue-sniffing skinhead, familiar with fighting in the boxing ring and out. His face bears the scars of a man who would pick a fight. Um, Well over 20 years ago now, he was in a house party in Belfast, pretty wild party, and it was gate crashed by two 15-year-old girls who busted their way in, turned off the music and told everyone there that they needed to get right with God. Three weeks later, four people, including William Wade, put their faith in the Lord Jesus. He's still going strong. He's now minister of a church. And the example of those girls show what you could potentially do if you believed that we should be pessimistic about human ability and optimistic about the grace of God in Christ. William Wade said this at the end of the article I was reading. If two 15-year-old girls can walk into a house full of drunk young men and preach the gospel to them, what could you do? I wonder if we need a renewed appreciation and faith in humanity's inability to solve our problems and God's colossal grace To save all who come to him. So I think I'll be more like those 15 year old girls then. And that would be a good thing. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. We thank you, our Father, so very much that you're candid and honest with us about our failings and inability. We Thank you too that you are amazing in your grace towards us in your son. Thank you that there's all that we need in him and more to forgive us our sins and to enable us to be courageous to speak of Christ. Transform and change us, we pray. Knit these truths to our hearts. Thank you. For moving so many of us into Christ's kingdom, would you help many others make the move, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. We're going to respond to what we've heard um, in this passage by um, listening to in the building, just humming along to, following along with the words. At home, you're very welcome to sing along to your heart's content a song that speaks of God's amazing grace.
1: Grace, how sweet the sun that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now. My heart to fear In grace my fears really How precious did that grace appear The hour I first believed My chains are gone been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flower, His mercy unending love, amazing. Lord has promised my hope secure He will my sheep and push. As long as I in Chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior, has of me, and like a Lord, His mercy reigns, in love. God spreads all need, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine, but God will call me here will be forever will be forever.
0: In a moment, we're going to turn to pray uh, for various needs. But last week, uh, you might have noticed, was the first week on a Sunday morning that we didn't have children in the service because they went to Sunday school and creche. So we're going to hear a little bit about what they got up to. Uh, and the best gonna share what we can pray for them before we turn to pray for them and for New Life Christian Fellowship, another church in
4: Beckles. Crash and Sunday school started back last Sunday. The children aren't coming into the main service and then leaving to go to their groups partway way through as they normally would. and um, instead they're in their groups for the whole time on a Sunday morning. So you might not get a chance to see them. So I thought you might like to see a little video about what they're up to. This is what fresh looks like. This week we'll be looking at how God's made the birds and the sky and we'll be making this very lovely owl. This is what Sunday school looks like. Last week, we had eight children to the first service and six children to the second service. And each week, we do some fun things like games, crafts, listening to songs, and obviously, we look at a story from the Bible each week. Last week, we looked at the parable of the sower, and this is what the children made. This week, this morning, we're looking at the parable of the weeds. We asked the children this week to let us know what their favourite part of Sunday school was and here's what they said.
2: Um, the thing I like being back at Sunday school is one, I like seeing, like seeing my friends again and two, I, I like n- not seeing everybody on screen. I like about Sunday school, <laughs>
4: you get to do the craft. I like about Sunday school
1: seeing my friends, not virtually.
4: What did you like about Sunday school?
1: I loved the crafts. I liked praying and reading the Bible.
4: Over lockdown, we still kept in contact with the children lots. Uh, we did Sunday school online, crash online every week on our YouTube channel. And then once we felt that had come to an end, we started to do um, Zoom Sunday schools on a Sunday morning before the services streamed online. Uh, we have sent children out um, books and packs. And obviously the end of the summer rounded off with a holiday Bible club. It's so nice to meet with the children and actually see them in person to teach them about God and how amazing he is. And we're just excited for the next step as we're going forward now. There are a few things that you could be praying for us. Firstly, for our leaders. Seeing as we're teaching at both services each week, um, our teachers are teaching more regularly than they normally would. So please pray that God will sustain them and refresh them. Please pray that we'll have enough leaders for each week. Uh, secondly please pray that everybody stays well because we don't want to have to um, have to isolate and close sunday school and crash and thirdly please pray for the children um, not only that they'll stay safe from this virus um, but that god will use them in this time to tell their friends about him and to strengthen their faith personally too thank you
0: To we bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we want to start by thanking you very much for uh, the gift that Beth has been to this church and to the families in this church. Thank you for the care for the young children that we have. Thank you for all that she's done in, in keeping contact with them, especially during lockdown and <clears throat> with all the frustrations. Father, we would just ask that you would uh, please encourage her, help her uh, as she uh, does all the administration. We pray uh, that you'd help her to lead the team of, of leaders well and pray that you give them all a real sense that they are doing something of significance and eternal worth as they uh, sow the seed of the gospel. Please help them uh, to remember that it isn't just uh, babysitting. Uh, Father, That this is a significant ministry, whatever results they see at the time. We pray especially for the leaders. We so thank you for them giving up time, being Uh, more regular uh, each week as they they come and lead these groups. And we pray for the children that you would keep them safe, that they would enjoy spending time with each other, uh, that that would be uh, just a great time to reconnect and to form friendships within this church family. And we ask that they would be good soil, that they would be uh, like that parable, the, the ones who receive the word and hold on to it and bear fruit because of its fruit in their own lives uh, and uh, in the schools they go to, um, pray pray that they would be a real witness to the one they've come to trust. We pray as well, Father, for New Life Christian Fellowship and other church in Beckles. Thank you for the gospel it is that we share, the hope that we have together uh, in the Lord Jesus. Thank you for that unity we have in him. We pray for them particularly as they Um, are faced with a situation of not being able to meet uh, together in person in a building or the venue that they usually use. We pray uh, that they would have an opening, an opportunity somewhere, maybe the school that they normally meet, somewhere to meet uh, in person. Uh, But in the meantime, as they continue with online services, we pray that you use them to feed uh, that church, to grow them, to encourage those who are downhearted and struggling but we pray especially that they would be a, a real family uh, in the way that they care for each other midweek. We pray that you will help them to notice people who are going off the radar, struggling, finding life difficult or, or walking away from Christ. And for each uh, situation, give them um, all that they need uh, to care for your sheep and, and feed them and lead them. We thank you as well for James Wilson, the pastor there and his family. Uh, we pray that you would equip him as he cares for the church, depending on you in prayer, preaching your word to them and loving each individual in that church. And we ask that uh, for the Sunday school and for that church, uh, that Jesus might be known and famous and uh, honoured in Beckles. Amen. Well, before we head our separate ways out into Beckles and beyond, uh, some notices uh, to let you know about uh, coming up in the next week. So starting off uh, today, as with usual, with morning and evening services, we have playlists put together on YouTube, which will help you reflect and and allow you to sing at home based on what we've been hearing. Playlists online. Uh, This evening, we're back in the building at 6.30 and on our live stream as well. So you can join us there and we'll continue in the book of 1 Samuel. That's me preaching tonight. Uh, this week we have home groups carrying on on Thursday and on Friday where we'll be reflecting on very much the things we've been talking about in Romans 5 today and your home group leaders will be in touch if they haven't already. Next Sunday is very much the same as today. So if you made it today, you'll probably make it here next week as well in the building and online. So 9.15 and 11.15 morning services. The 11.15 is live streamed. So hope you can stay with us if you're joining us this morning. And the same at 6.30 on Sunday evening as well. Uh, We will be live-streamed and in the building. The big thing, just to flag up to all of you, just so that you're aware, as families uh, particularly, um, and to ask for your prayers, is that we are, after October half-term, that's in about three or four weeks' time, uh, aiming to restart Jam, which is our midweek children's club. Uh, Obviously, that's going to look a little bit different with the current restrictions, but we're keen to make contact with these children we haven't seen for over six months So please be praying for us, uh, Beth and I, as we um, plan how we're going to do this uh, sensibly and uh, having fun at the same time. But also just to flag up to parents that there will be limited spaces because we want to keep people safe. Uh, And so uh, invites, invitations, information will be going out midweek this week. We'll show you a video next Sunday about what's going on. But keep your ears tuned because places may well disappear quite quickly. And we'd love to have church family involved in it as well. Uh, so do be praying for that Uh, at this point this is where we say goodbye to those on live stream, we're going to pray let me read some words from Philippians chapter 3 to close Philippians chapter 3 verse 3, Paul writes to this church "It, it is we who are the circumcision he's saying we are the people of God who? we who serve God by his spirit who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Who are God's people? People who have no confidence in themselves. Pessimistic. But who have every confidence in Jesus. Optimistic. Uh, We're going to pray that that will be the case for us this week. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your uh, abundant, overflowing grace uh, to sinners like us. Please humble us, strip us of confidence in ourselves this week. But don't leave us down on the dumps, Father. We pray that you would drive us to Jesus, so that we might have every confidence that he can deal with every problem, every sin. We thank you that we have this hope as we go out into the week. And please would we worship him by your spirit this week. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, we hope to see you back next week at 11.15.